You know John Reed, uh, former CEO of Citibank. No, John Reed. That is John Reed. John Reed. <laughs> no, different John Reed. John Reed, R E A D, who goes by John Aaron Reed at Twitter. And no, John, I don't. John, I do not, I do not I know him. I don't either. But he wrote to us, and okay. so now he's our friend. And he wrote to QOD. How do you exercise your question asking muscle? So I have some thoughts on this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts first, James. I think. For every single person I meet or event I'm in or situation I find myself in, I always ask myself, what is going to be my takeaway? What am I going to learn from this situation? I'll tell you a story. Sergey Brin. Would you tell me a story, James? Yes, and maybe I've told this story before. Nathan, our producer, could correct me if I've told this story before. I did tell this before, right? Sergey Brin interviewing people. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> can we keep that in the podcast? <laughs> All right, so... I always try to figure out... The hey, James, can you tell me a story that's not about Sergey Brin? Well, I could tell you in every podcast I do, I've done a, I've done 170 or so podcasts of my Show other off. show. So I'm always interviewing people, and I'm always reading all their books to prepare, and it's impossible for me to remember things I've learned from 170 people plus all their books. So I try to always ask myself, what is the one most important takeaway I took from this situation and then I write it down and I try to tell it to someone else. And this in general, since I'm doing lots of these podcasts, meeting a lot of people, reading a lot of books, this process in general forces me to constantly ask questions. And so, and it also makes me curious, like as I'm preparing for a podcast, I'm constantly trying to think of what's the 50 questions I can ask and I'm not, and I'm writing them down. Although I don't bring my notes into the podcast because I don't want to be rude. Rude. I don't want to look at the notes. Oh, you don't bring your, you don't bring your written questions into the podcast. No, I just try to get so curious about them, like that. The ones that I'm most curious about will be the ones that I ultimately ask. If I just have them written down on his notes, do you not have that, any regrets after when you look at the questions you'd come sometimes, up with? Sometimes, sometimes, but. I do know that with this process, I am going to remember the ones I'm most curious about. So chances are I'm going to ask at least 80% of the questions I'm most curious about. But it constantly forces me to exercise my curiosity muscle. Well, let me ask you this question. So John Reed asks, how do you exercise your question-asking muscle? You just called it a curiosity muscle, whether those are one and the same or not. You know, it's not really... um, I I don't really care, but let's assume they are. So we're talking about it. We're all calling it a muscle, which I would... Call it as well. I would agree with that. Meaning it can be developed, it can be yeah, uh, I think strengthened, you... it can atrophy and so on. But here's the question. Is there a curiosity or question asking um, talent or whether it's genetic or whatever? Do you feel that some people just have a brain that configures things better for the purpose of asking questions? No, I think... You really it, don't. I, I think maybe a tiny, t- like 1%. Is the ignition that drives the car? So you don't think there's like a curiosity? You don't think curiosity is a trait? I think I'm. Uh, for me, for instance, I know I. You think it's purely over all uh, these after all these podcasts that I've done. I know I'm a pretty good interviewer. Maybe not the best. Maybe not the worst. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think that it's just been practice and practice and practice of looking at someone, reading all of their material, and finding out what I'm really curious about, and formulating a question. I always try to formulate questions that they've never been asked before in other podcasts. So I'll listen to all their other interviews 
And I work really hard to kind of come up with good questions to ask that I'm sincerely curious about that, like, ugh, rubs me. Like, I feel it in my throat. Like, I have to ask this question. So, so, but that took practice. So you think if we took, like, 100 sets of twins and separated them at birth and put one set, uh, you know, put all the A twins in these uh, families or environments, whatever, that are, you know, college professors and researchers and all these people who are kind of pr- asking questions professionally, and they're in that milieu, and that's that's the way they're raised. And the B set of twins go to these homes where they don't uh, do any thinking substantially. They just sit around and, you know, squish cockroaches all day long and make fart jokes. Although some fart jokes, as we've learned before, go back to Sumerian days and are, are very rich and deep. You really think that those two people would be so purely influenced by their environment that there's nothing in the kind of wiring to constitute a better question asker or curiosity seeker? Again, maybe 1%. And that 1% being the ignition that truly starts the car. But one person's got to start the car and the other person might not. Steven and I have this one under control, but I'm going to grab our QOD Magic 8-Ball just in case. We'll be right back. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You don't need a lot of possessions. In fact, just a couple of months ago, I threw out 99.99% of everything I owned even most of my underwear. But to be honest, that got a little bit disgusting. So now I'm going to recommend our sponsor, Mack Weldon brand underwear is better than whatever you're wearing right now, unless what you're wearing is already Mack Weldon. It's summer right now in New York City. Everything outside is starting to smell like hot garbage, but you're down there doesn't have to. Mack Weldon has a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial which means they eliminate odors produced by your sweat when you're huffing across town because the L train isn't running. Speaking of running, not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. You can wear their clothing to the office, to the gym, on a date, or just lounge around your apartment just in your underwear, which is what I normally do. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. Right now, you can go to MackWeldon.com Breeze through their beautifully streamlined website and save 20% at checkout using the promo code QUESTION. On top of that, Mack Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. Again, go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using the promo code QUESTION. Okay, so this is really good news for John, who asked this question, because if he wants to build the question-asking muscle, you're saying it has almost no, you know, kind of natural, whether whether genetic or other Yeah, here, here's a way to practice. Like, read a book and think of 10 questions you would ask the author that you didn't learn in the book. So just do that for every single book you read. Or for every person you're going to meet, you're going on a date, think of 10 questions you're going to ask your date that you that they've probably never been asked before. All right, so, so James, let's, say you, you and I, let's say you and I are going out on a date. Uh, you very happily, I'd go out on a date with you. Ditto, right back at you, brother. And um, and you're preparing for our first date. Now, I, I know that you're nervous about the sex because you've told us in an earlier episode that all your initial sexual it's encounters go, are going disastrous. To be awkward. Right? <laughs> it's going to be uncomfortable. All right, but uh, bad things will happen. But tell me about your um, and, and I'm going to have a salad and not enjoy it. <laughs> but um, tell me about the what are the questions that you're going to come up with for me. Well, I would first off read 
Turbulent Souls, Confessions of a Hero Worshipper. That's a lot of work for a date. Wow. <laughs> no, I've done that. One time, this is like in 2008, I, I went out on a date and I Googled her and I saw she was interested in Kabbalah, like this Jewish mysticism. Was it, was it Madonna? No. Um, otherwise, I would have a lot more, quite a lot easier time coming out with the questions. <laughs> so I saw that this girl was interested in Kabbalah, and I bought a whole bunch of books. And literally, like I spent that afternoon reading the books, and I came up with I enough questions. I can't tell whether this is sweet or creepy. I it's think a, it's, it's, it's sweet. It's a little, it's a little bit of both, but I it was practicing my curiosity right, muscle. How, how'd it work out? <laughs> Uh, I think it worked out really well. I mean, I wasn't... Did you have I, some very awkward sex later? No, no, I didn't, but I think I could have had a second date if I wanted to, but I I moved on. I, I, I decided I wasn't that interested in Kabbalah did you a- Did you ask her quite a few questions about Kabbalah? Yes. And did you say to her, uh, these questions come not from my just natural organic curiosity, but I hunted you down online and found out what you were interested in and then practiced? I, I did not say that. You can argue then that's manipulative. I will argue I was being generous to the seriousness of the date. Mm-hmm. Also, to be fair, this is in an era where people publicize a lot of things about themselves, so it's fair game. Yeah, better for me to like know a little about them and prepare than just to go in like, oh, what are you interested in? Like Now like, we can actually have a meaningful conversation. Again, going into a situation, trying to figure out what is going to be my one unique takeaway that I don't previously know. So if I just say, oh, what are you interested in? I'm not going to necessarily get deep enough into the conversation to find out something I don't know. This is about the exercising the curiosity muscle. It's not about whether this was ethical or not, although I think it is actually ethical to do that. I think one other idea that someone like John or anybody can use uh, to exercise their question-asking muscle or to build it is to, is to really think like a child because, mm. you know, when you're a kid, your job is to figure out what's going on. Like, what, what? oh, when I do this with my brain, my toes move. Why does that happen? I mean, from that level all the way up. And all, all you are a professional, like, figure-outer, curiosity-seeker, question-asker. And yet... it's a good point. Over time, for a variety of reasons, I think. One is the way that our formal education system works, where... It's, where you're fed answers instead of questions. Uh, I, I wouldn't... I, I'm not as dismissive of the ah. process as you are. <laughs> But um, kinda. But then, additionally, um, you know, in a professional setting, depending on what kind of work you're doing. But like, you ever been in that meeting where where the boss says, "Okay, uh, I've just laid out this new, you know, project that we're gonna do. Does anybody have any questions? There's no such thing as a stupid question." And then you raise your hand and you ask a question. And they say, "Oh, I take it back. There, that was the stupid question." Right. Oh, and after God. after that happens to you once or twice, you get conditioned to not like our own reputations, personal and and professional are valuable to us, and we don't want to damage them. And so most people don't want to be the person asking the kind of outlandish or outrageous question. And I think that does get beaten out of us, and I think that's a shame. So my advice to John would be really to, you know, to think back what it was like to be that three or five or nine-year-old kid looking at something for the first time and saying, why is this blank? Why is this wet? Why does that go there and not there? Why does this do that? And not? Yeah, and, and I think alongside of that is, uh, always be skeptical of everything told you. Like if you're, if you, if someone tells you, well, uh, you know, climate change is caused by X, uh, uh, be skeptical and ask why. What's the evidence? Uh, I, yeah, and then read Super Freakonomics to find out the real answer. <laughs> 
So um, what what's other areas that one should be skeptical in that you think people aren't skeptical enough in where they could potentially practice exercising their question muscle? You know, I I, I would say economics is certainly a big oh, one. Oh yeah, but I would say anywhere. Like honestly, when I when I read this question from John, I thought I misread it in a way in that like who doesn't always want to ask questions about anything. And then I realized well, most, most people most don't. Most people want to be told. Most people want to be, well, I don't know, I should say it's interesting. That. The lesson I got was that this is a good lesson in how if you're trained or interested in something, it seems like second nature to everybody, but it's not. Because basically what I do all day, and you do all day, is ask people questions. So you don't, like, honestly, you do not want to be inside my brain when I'm reading something or listening to the radio for facts because I'm constantly hearing one idea or phrase and challenging it because that's just what you do. That And that's what smart people do. You don't want to be in my head right after a dinner party when I'm asking, well, did I say the wrong thing? <laughs> did that person hate me? Why did that person look at me that way? Why didn't I get served dessert when everyone else got served dessert? Why was I escorted out of the dinner party before <laughs> everyone else? That's what's going through my head. I'm asking lots of questions, but they're not necessarily healthy. So it seems like we've um, there's anxiety. We've, we've there's got question a, asking, and there's anxiety. We've got a rare case here where there was a question answer, and you and I gave essentially diametrically opposed answers, which were, uh, I say to John Reed, "Yeah, you should ask a lot of questions, and it's a natural part of you know curiosity and growing, and it and it comes from our childhood." And the example from you is that if you ask the kind of questions that James Altucher routinely asks in a dinner party, you will be forcibly removed, apparently without your dessert. But but I did give my exercises for strengthening your question muscle. Just I'm also a warning <laughs> oh, that this is what could ha- you could turn into. I got gotcha. you. Anxiety question answering person. You would think, it, you know, after God created such an amazing, good-looking Jewish person such as me mm-hmm. that afterwards all the neuroses and feeling of failure and sense of worthlessness would go away, mm. but it doesn't. Mm. And you didn't get served dessert either, which is the real tragedy. Hey, James, that was fun. We'll hear a clip from the next QOD right after this. Thanks again to Mack Weldon for sponsoring this episode of Question of the Day. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping, and guarantee that their clothing will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shorts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. Go to MacWeldon.com right now and get 20% off of your purchase using the promo code QUESTION. Next time on Question of the Day. James, I have a question for you, but... Tell me. I need you to answer this somehow as if you're not James Altucher. Okay. That's going to be hard. I can't really pretend to be who I'm not, but go ahead. Go for it. I don't need you to, I don't need you to pretend to be who you're not, but I do need you to appreciate the fact that you have traits and abilities even that are that are unusual. 